When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 184, What We Love About Web Development. Uh, title is self-explanatory, however. Mike and I just had uh, quite a negative conversation before this. We had a, a lot of business crap to work out, and uh, so it's uh, it's weird. It's weird doing a positive episode, but here we are. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, <laughs> you want to support the show, <laughs> you can go check us out on Patreon, leave a review rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, share this with your friends. And before we jump into this episode, we have another review of the week here. Uh, so the title of this review is Informative, Up-to-Date, and Engaging. It's rated at five stars. This has become my go-to podcast for all things web development. As the title states, the content is engaging and informative, even for a novice to programming such as myself. Recent episodes have included guest speakers who clearly have a deep and solid understanding of not only programming and web development, but it's also but also its application in real-world business and commerce. A great listen. This is by Alex Codes on Apple Podcasts. So thank you, Alex Codes, for that review. But... Mike, you wrote the positive points on this episode, so please, sir, take it away. Be positive. That's the important key right here, because <laughs> that, like Matt said, we just had kind of a a downer uh, discussion, but now we got to kind of pick it back up, and that's I don't know, like it's not that hard to do um, because we're going to be talking about the positive points of web development. There's obviously some negative points. We've talked about them recently in the past, especially with our junior developer episodes. There's some difficulties uh, in the industry for sure. Just like any any industry, really. Like, th- there's no perfect job. It's just not doesn't exist. But there's some really awesome stuff about web development that I want to discuss, and I'm gonna dive right into it. So, what do we love? And I I wrote the show notes, but I think Matt shares most of these, if not some of them at least, uh, with me. So, bear with me there. First thing here, creating. So the ability to kind of express art. Uh, I've talked about this in the past on the show. I've always kind of wanted to learn how to draw. I've always wanted to be artistic, but I can't draw like I suck at it. Obviously, if I spend hundreds of hours, you know, doing lessons and practicing like stuff like that, I could probably get there. I'm not saying that it's an impossible thing for me, but I just don't have a natural ability. Like my drawings look like shit and they always have. So web development when I started to get somewhat good at it, started to become a little bit of like an artistic expression for me. And I think I see that in a lot of other people as well. Uh, they kind of throw a lot into their sites. Like I've, I've been working with a couple of developers recently that really enjoy the design aspect, really like putting that extra touch of UX, UI, that little bit of animation that no one really notices, but you notice and you know that it makes the experience a little bit smoother. Um, that's the artistic expression that I'm talking about. It's it's not like, you know, you're creating a Jason Pollock or a Picasso or anything like that. No, you're just making a really nice experience for people using your site with the ability to add some flair here and there and stuff like that and have it out there for the world to kind of enjoy and see and use. Maybe either it's a utilitarian kind of thing or it's even like more of an artistic expression kind of thing. It, it's either or. But I really like that about web development. It gives me that ability and, you know, I can center something without having to use a ruler. Uh, that helps a lot, obviously, like, you know, applications that, that help you with grids and stuff like that are easier to draw with. Same with web development. There's a lot of tools in the C- in CSS that help with layouts and I need that help. I'm really bad at like spatial awareness, like spatial distancing. So when I see something, I'm, I'm never sure if it's like directly in the middle, if I drew it myself or if I placed it myself. So having a tool that can kind of place it for me in the middle um, is a key aspect of why I can actually express my artistic ability with web development. So really like that. The other part, instant gratification. So when you're creating something, the ability to, you know, write some code, 
write like an, you know, a div, put some content in that div, style that div and press control S to save the file and automatically see it being live and, uh, be, see the changes that you made from text code to visual reality in a web browser. I don't know. Like I, I get that kind of like, damn, that's cool. Almost every time. And sometimes it fades into the background because it's just part of your job, obviously. But every once in a while it comes back and you're like, holy crap, like I just wrote, you know, some random text from a different perspective. Like if you give it to someone that's never coded before, this is just random gibberish. It's gobbledygook. And but it converted into something that's very visual and structured and exactly kind of how I, I planned it. Now, obviously, a lot of the times, <laughs> first time you write something, it's not going to be exact. But as you get better, it, it does get better and better. Like sometimes I can now write a, you know, a, a part of a layout, do everything in CSS in there, control S, and it actually displays almost exactly how I want it. Um, that's something that I've, I've developed a skill for. So that I like I like doing that. I like seeing that happen. I like seeing even when it's like not only visual, even when it's something like a console log. I know I, I asked this question on Twitter and someone mentioned that like, hey, like even just randomly putting in a console log in my code and seeing it appear in the console log of the dev tools, that's kind of cool. Like those little things are kind of cool, honestly. And I like it. Like I personally, that kind of stuff kind of, I, I geek over that. The other thing, animations. So in terms of creating I've recently got into animation, so I am not an expert in any way, shape, or form. Oh, well, he's a clip path expert, I hear. I am not a clip path expert. I tried to do a really fancy clip a- clip path animation where you have like this little circle pop up from your menu and then the circle expands across the entire screen. I failed. Uh, I, I, I could only <laughs> get the, I could only get the circle to go in from the top right corner. It still looks cool and like the clip path works and all that. I just I haven't perfected how to place the clip path responsively yet. Um that's something I'm working on. But like I've screwed down with ClipPath. They're cool animations. I've screwed down with some GSAP. That's an animation library that's like programmatically controlled. So you have a little like mix some JavaScript in with like triggers and stuff like that about where you place stuff based on what happens on the page. I've screwed down with that. That's pretty cool. Just straight CSS transitions and animations. Those are awesome as well. Like you can do a lot. Most everything with just straight CSS and, 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 uh, and straight CSS animations and transitions. There's a lot you can do. Um, and it's really, really interesting and kind of, it's fun to play around with that. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't feel like work <laughs> a lot of the time when I'm just screwing around with getting stuff to fade in at the right timing and getting stuff to pop in and, you know, scroll across the screen and stuff like that. I, I really like that kind of stuff. Same with, in fact, like canvas work. Like, so, um, HTML canvas. A lot of it is controlled by JavaScript and there's a lot you can do with that. Like you can make an entire game engine and like people have done it. There's game engines out there for JavaScript with Canvas that you can do like crazy, crazy things. Like you can do 3D elements, you can do, uh, you know, interactions, you can do physics in there. Like there's like, it's pretty damn powerful and playing around with that when you have a concrete goal in mind, trying to get, you know, a image to, you know, expand come back in roll around the screen or like convert into something else maybe like you know take an image and make it look completely different and stuff like that like you you can do a lot with it like you can put filters on your images you can do um you can break up your images into a mosaic stuff like stuff like that is very possible and the ability to do it and practice it and go through it that's kind of cool too there's something about all this, the ability to express our interavocation animations that you went through is there's like a time in which you're working on a page as well that I find that it, like you said, doesn't become work anymore. There's like a point and it's sort of almost like when you hit that focus point in your work or your deep work point where you get invested in how that particular page works and how it looks more specifically with the, with these examples. And so then you're like really invested in hey, you know, this is a little bit too much on the right. It's going to be a little bit awkward for people to scroll on on phones and stuff. And and a lot of that stuff is is obviously nitpick, but it can be, you know, it can be really polished and you get into the zone of making that stuff. And, and, and I, I find that there's like a line there too, where something can be work and something can be creating, if you will, if you kind of create that line in between. And there's a lot of times where we're kind of forced to do just 
literally just work stuff like, hey, users are really confused about this. Like, what do we do? And you rush in there to quickly write a blurb and whether it's fully responsive or perfectly aligned is irrelevant. It's more so about getting that message to the users. And I would say those type of jobs are more work. Whereas when you're actually building a page out, especially if the deadline's far away or there is no deadline and you're really finishing something, like you're really polishing it out, there's like a weird, like, I don't know, what, I don't want to call it a moment because it can happen over and over again with a page, but it's sort of like you get invested in that particular page. And even if you're done for the day and you're just browsing on your own time, other websites, you might see how an image transitions on some other person's site or how a scroll works. And you would be like, you know, I kind of really like that. I wouldn't mind incorporating something similar on the page that I was just working on type of thing. And so there's like, to me anyway, there's like that line where like it feels really good to, to create and it like it, it's, it's different. It's different than, than just working, if you will. Like it is working, but it's, it's, you're building something cool. Now, one thing I will say that stings <laughs> is when you spend like 90 minutes trying to make uh, the UX of a button perfect and you even justify it to a customer and they're adamant that it should go back to where it was. That, those type of things sting. So there's, you know, a bit of push and pull there, but it's definitely one of those, um, I don't know. It's one of those like weird moments in web development that is it's it is like almost like an artistic outlet. I remember I had a friend one time message me and he was like, you know, what do you do like for an artistic outlet? And I was like, I don't really do anything like I don't really like like I used to do a little bit of like amateur photography, but I was like, I don't really do anything. I just kind of like show up to work and work. But then I kind of like told him about the work and he's like, it kind of sounds like doing some of these layouts is kind of like what you're doing for an artistic outlet. He's like, even if you're not really an artistic person. Like everyone has some sort of like creative outlet. And I was like, oh, it's kind of an interesting perspective. And I and I do find that my most tumultuous work times, of which is right uh, one of them is right now, is when I, I, I have had a long time away from the creating. And I've had a long time or I've had a long time away from the creating. And I have a lot of um what would you say? A lot of time just working. Making sure information's right, doing a bunch of meetings, those type of things. And I'm not building anything because with my job, it's very bizarre. I'll do sysadmin for, you know, a little bit of the time or a little bit of sysadmin. And then I'll like run over and do a little bit of JS, but then I like won't touch HTML, CSS, JS or any of that stuff for a long time. And I'll be like helping people with WordPress. And then I'll be trying to source new servers for hosting and stuff like that and negotiating lower prices for them and, and, and whatnot. And so like, I'm kind of running around all over and like, I realize all that stuff is a part of the job, but you know, the words of my one friend do kind of hold true there is it feels it like work feels worse when I'm a long, when I'm a long, um, a long time away from the last time I created as I guess an artistic outlet. I don't know how scientific or psych psychological that is. I'm not a doctor, but, um, it kind of seems to be that way for me. It's like, it feels good to like build out a page and be like, oh man, like this layout's like pretty cool. Or like, hey, this image actually loads really quick. Or hey, look, like I got this Google page speed to be really low despite all these assets on the page, uh, that type of thing. Yeah, I I, th I think you kind of nailed that feeling, that flow state feeling of it. That's when it doesn't feel like work a lot of the times to me. And a lot of the times time goes by at a ridiculous pace in that. Or maybe you just don't notice time going by and like you wake up or like you, you get out of it and it's like five hours have gone by in the day and you, you've you completed your task and stuff like that. So it doesn't feel like work. Like that kind of stuff, when you can get into that flow state, it feels like you're just having fun. Like it feels like, you know, you're zoning out in a game. I kind of attributed to that. I used to zone out in games all the time. I don't do that as much anymore because I do that a lot at work, which is weird to say. Like I, I've had other jobs. I've had like a job as a electrical engineering draftsman where I was taking, you know, electrical documents and putting them into AutoCAD. I never had that feeling in that job. Not once. It was all work, like pure, like really monotonous, really boring work. Right. But with web development, I have like, I have that pretty consistently. Like it's not all the time. There's tons of stuff that I don't like to do tons. And there's days, there's even weeks that go by where it's all kind of shitty work, but there's always 
in that monotony, there's always a back, back to the creative, back to the flow state. And the creative, again, it's not all about like the layouts. It's also about just like solving problems and beating challenges and, you know, getting stuff done. Um, I think like you mentioned the, a little negative part. Uh, and I've, I've been hit by this many times where you build something out, you're really proud of it and the customer shoots it down or the community shoots it down, whatever, whoever you're building it for. It can happen all the time. Uh, what I've known, what I've recently started to do was I'm building out like a components library. So if I make a really nice button and they hate it, I'll just take that button and put it into my own personal components library and use it on another project down the line. So it's like, it kind of gets rid of that feeling a little bit at least, but it's still, it still stings obviously if you put something into it, but that's, that's the part of being creative that you have to adapt to. And that's the part of the feedback loop that you have to be okay with because People have different perspectives and no matter how good you are at your job, you're going to have feedback that you're not going to like and you have to take that and put it into something positive. So it's, it, it is, it is a part of the job that's more difficult, but you can get some positive out of that too. But let's move on here. Uh, so from creative, let's move on to challenge. So I do enjoy the fact that there's a lot of challenges in, in web development. It's not, all about like, you know, taking cookie cutter templates and putting stuff in. Most of my work currently for the probably the last three to four years have been daily challenges. Like every day I have things that I've never done before that I have to learn how to do and implement that in, in a day. And that, that can get stressful and that can be a negative. But for the most part, I like that. Like I like the fact that I, don't have to do a repetitive task over and over again. I don't have to, um, I don't have to like continually grind at a factory or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, obviously, but like, I'm just saying it's just not for what I wanted. I like the fact that I have to figure out this new library to tomorrow because I need to implement some sort of web three stuff into the application, right? So I have to figure out, I have to break down a difficult problem into smaller, more accomplishable problems, I like that part. Not it, It's not for everyone. Sure, whatever. That's fine. But just being able to get through those roadblocks, just being able to learn something new constantly. Like I'm, I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm confident in the fact that I'm an expert web developer that I, I don't need, I don't need to look up. I don't need to learn anymore. I'm good. I'm done. Right. Like I don't think I'm ever going to have that thing with that kind of feeling as a web developer. Um, I hope I don't like, honestly, I, I kind of hope I don't because then it becomes a job. Then it becomes the monotonous grind. Then it becomes like, okay, like what's the next challenge? Then, then I become set in my ways as well. Like I've, I've seen it happen to a lot of people being like, they refuse to use newer technology. They refuse to check if anything else exists other than what they're using. They refuse to, you know, try new IDs. They refuse to upgrade their computers. Like they just, they just want to stay the same. And it can work. Like, I'm not saying that that's the worst thing in the world. Like, there's people making tons of money doing that, and that's fine. I, but for me personally, like, I like the evolution of the problems. Like, I like, hey, I solved this problem with React. So I made this website with React. And the next month, I'm going to try to make it with Vue. And the next month, I might try to make it with Svelte. And maybe sometimes I'll standardize on something for a while. Maybe I'll use Svelte for like two or three years now. I like it because I've tried many different things. So I know why I like it and I know what, what I don't, what, what I don't like about the other ones. And if something pops up and I use it for a bit and I see, you know, more positives, I might switch to it or I might remain. So I like having that flexibility. I like having that challenge of like always pushing myself to having to break those barriers and uh, learn new techniques, learn new methods and learn new technologies. You know, this is one of the ones that I actually struggle with. It's like I really, really enjoy when I solve a problem, but I'm I'm in this weird anxiety boat, I guess, where I don't know whether whether it's because I was enterprise IT trained and things staying the same is like always preferred because it's like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it type of thing. Uh, or whether it's just my own like pers persona, whatever. Like I've I have no idea. Um, I'm not trying to blame it on either one. It's just more so a thing where like these days, especially like I rarely branch out. If I do branch out, I get super angry if I don't understand something right away. 
And like Mike and Mike has seen this where I like try to get a page to render and I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, yeah, screw this. Like this is over. And I'm like freaking out the whole time. And like, I don't know whether that like I like for a long time, I attributed it to like, is it due to school where like kind of everything's on this quick timeline and you know, you're learning on a timeline as well. Like, cause these learning projects are usually not done in production type of thing. They're usually done on your own time. And like, I don't know whether it's because I've just like everyone else has been taught in school to like, you know, hurry up. You got to get that assignment done. And if I don't understand it, I start to panic and freak out. And then there's also the aspect of, you know, there's just so many moving parts and things now that like all, like a lot of my stuff is so stagnant where I like try to keep things the same because I don't know how things work. And if something starts going crazy and I can't figure out the problem, I immediately start to panic and immediately start to freak out, uh, which is like, and I realize it's not healthy. Like I realize that, um, and it's a part of the challenge that Mike, is, Mike has been saying. It's just one of those things that has sort of happened to me over the years, but it's probably always been there even in school before I started working and stuff. It's just, I don't, I don't, it's, it's like, I, I, I should learn to love to learn if, if, if that makes sense. But it's like, because we have these realities of people expect their sites up, people expect their web apps up. I'm under this constant, like, like it's, you know, customer pressure, but it's a bit of self-pressure too, a lot of self-pressure where I'm like just absolutely freaking out 90% of the time, losing sleep over big projects that are like working fine, but there's like a small problem and I'm like losing sleep until that problem's gone. I can't focus on like stuff like that. It's, it's really not good. I understand this is like the love of web development episode, but it's like, I want to learn to love the challenge, but like, it's almost like I don't want to learn to love it in production and yet production takes all my time, if that makes sense. And it's just, so I've, I've become this, like, really, I've become this more or less like a stagnant IT guy <laughs> where, where I like don't really go outside the box. If I Google something and, and it tells me to use some sort of server command I've never used before, I'm terrified to use it, terrified to try if things are up or down. It's just, it's just like, it's become this sort of crippling, like it's it's crippling almost like from a I don't know a psychological perspective or something where it's like I'm not like bitching or whatever like and I and I do think I do get things done it's not like I like I'm literally you know say paralyzed in my work and I and I don't proceed for you know days on end or anything I get it done uh, within a reasonable time frame that's not the case it's just like the amount of like freak out that I have during everything that I do these days is just so high. Like I've been trying to start Svelte. I have a couple cool projects and it just never gets done. Or I try to do this and it just never gets done because once I'm done dealing with the production, I mean, and, and in production to be clear is like a production server, like something's up and running for anyone who doesn't know. But once I'm done with production and dealing with all the problems, which seem to be happening like almost daily now, uh, once I'm like done with dealing with production these days, like I, I'm just, I'm so done and I'm so tired that I like want to recover. I don't want to do anything else. And, and so like, this is what, this is one of those things where I don't love it right now. Like I certainly don't love the challenge right now. You know, it'd be nice to, to be able to, and it'd be nice to learn, to love, to learn. But, and that's what they've always told us, even in college when we graduated, especially like keep learning, keep learning. And I just, I just, I really, really struggle with it. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think people are going to relate to that as well. Like, I don't think everyone loves the, the fact that they have to struggle on a daily basis. And that's really honestly like web development or development or programming. A lot of it is a struggle. Like it, it is having to go through roadblock after roadblock and having to fix things that you didn't expect to be broken because it's just so like the stuff that we create we think is very solid and we think is nice and we think has like, you know, is robust. But in reality, it's barely hanging on by a thread. Like a lot of the systems that we use that we intertwine, especially on a more complex project and especially when we start using third party libraries and stuff like that, those things are built to be used by many, many different people for many, many different things. But robustness, like you wouldn't put it on a NASA shuttle. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't put a lot of these systems on one of those on, on a life critical operation. That's why those things are built by a team or a, a, like a few people all working in source code. Like they're doing it from scratch, right? Because you don't want to use any sort any, any of those dependencies. And that's where you get the complications. That's where you have to go through roadblock after roadblock. That's where you have to go through these incredible challenges to 
complete your assignments and complete your job. Um, and that is, it, it, unfortunately, like if you don't like it, it you're going to have to kind of at least learn to get through it and live with it. And there's ups and downs. Like I have weeks, months, whatever, where I just hate it. I don't want to do anything. Like I don't want to learn anything, especially because I just want to kind of do my job and, and relax. Like I think that's a sign of burnout approaching. Uh, at least that's a sign that I, f- I find for myself is like when I don't want to learn, that means most likely I've just done this too much and I need a break. And I've had those days recently and I, I've talked about it on Twitter and stuff like that where like I just I feel like burnout's approaching sometimes. And um, like last week I took Friday off, at least from one of my contracts. Like I took Friday off. I did some other stuff, but regardless. And that helped. You know what I mean? Like a conscience decision to not do something, to not take any meetings that day, a conscious decision to not do the struggle that I didn't want to do helped just that one day. Now I need more time off and I'm going to plan on doing that in the future. But I think that another, another thing for you, Matt, maybe that's a sign for you to try to, I know that like we've talked about this. That's the thing like Matt and I have talked about this project that, that is hindering us a little bit right now, hindering Matt, especially. I feel like, we like there is a resolution hopefully that we're going to have soon but you need to kind of take care of yourself a little bit because i think once that project is gone there's a chance that your love of learning might come back and we'll see like we'll see how that goes like there's no way you can it's not a flip of a switch like i can't just be like hey matt just love your job or love love doing <laughs> yeah, this like, stuff like it's not just gonna click work this button yeah 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 like it's gonna it's not gonna work like it's something that you have to work through and you have to like kind of grind away at a little bit and 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 do and take action against it. Like, again, like taking a day off from that project or something like that. And when I say a day off from that project, like literally like don't reply nothing to that. You know what I mean? So anyway. Yeah, it, it's it, what it is, I think, too, is like everything to me is like an emergency now. And so I like I'm six and, and then that goes across other projects, too. And it's like I'm scared to look at my phone. I'm like scared to. And so I'm like turning on do not disturb in the middle of the day and being like, I have to calm down, like. And I'm freaking out. We already have enough stuff to do. Like, I can't take another like, hey, this doesn't work or, hey, this email doesn't work or, hey, this is like acting slow when I'm like, I don't know why it's slow. Like, is it like what's what's going on? And and then like we're dealing with a lot of server infrastructure stuff where the server is just doing a bunch of stuff in the background automatically um, because we have a managed service. I'm not going to get into the whole the whole thing. We have a managed service, so it's not all us. And, um, like it's just doing stuff automatically to the point where like one day I'll log in and I'm like, why the hell is there no disk space? And I'll check on the project that we're worked on and they haven't grown. They've only grown according to what is normal, like a couple hundred meg or whatever. And it's like, why is our disk space gone from like 50% to like 70, 80%, 80% without anything happening? Like what is going on? And it's like, is it these backups that's running automatically, which we weren't even aware of? Is it? Is it like something else where like this other backup solution that we're using, is it is it not deleting its backup like it's supposed to after it's done transferring? Is it this and that? And it's like, it's just so many, there's so many facets outside of the web app part. You know, it's just, this is just the host. And then we had crazy problems with DNS at one point. Like, it's just, it's, a, it's, it, 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 it's like people don't realize how much like you like you said, Mike, like you kind of killed a lot of your hosting uh, woes, I guess, with like Vercel or whatever you also were, you, you were using. Yep. <laughs> Whereas like I'm sitting there going like, why the hell? Like, why is there three backups in here when we're backing up to this other thing? And it's like, oh, it's because it's this technology and this is going here and that goes over there. And it's like this one's automatic because it's default, but it doesn't tell you that. And then and then it's like, well, wait a second. The disk space went up today but the backup doesn't happen until four days from now so like why did it go up today and then you look and it's like well no users have been in here like what the hell is going on in here and you have no idea what like what is happening and then it's like well is it because i downloaded something yesterday and it's like well maybe but is that in the trash then like is the trash need to be clean or is it like like what's going on here like why is it that this disk space like like exploded and like it's and it's stuff like that all the time, like it's stuff like that with entry processes, with CPU power, with RAM. And it's like not easy to uh, it's not easy to troubleshoot, especially when you're not on something that just like scales itself. 
Whereas on like cloud, I've never really used AWS or anything, but on cloud, if, if it like, as far as I understand it, like this could be totally wrong. If it just like, you know, oh, your CPU is kind of getting a little full or your disk space getting a little full, we'll just like, you know, it'll automatically provision a little more space or, or what have you. Um, it's like, to me, it's like, you know, we, we would go in there and be like, whoa, this is growing too fast. And you would fix it, but there's no panic because it's like the disk space will continually grow. When you're on, uh, you know, shared hosting VPS or dedicated, you don't have that luxury unless you're on something that's scalable like this. And so you're like, you have to manage that damn, you know, server space, like that disk space. And you have to ensure that that disk space is actually like... <laughs> Like actually being used like officially or else it's, you're just going to get 404 errors. Like you're just going to have problems. It's just like the way it is. Yep. I mean, yeah, those are, again, those are all the challenges of being not only a web developer, but more of an entrepreneur, in fact, and a web development agency. So that's another, like, that's a thing that you can kind of bring up with um, if you want to go on your own path. If you want to start your own agency, there are some really big challenges that you can overcome, that you have to overcome, like what Matt is just saying. Because not only are you now a web developer, but you now have to wear the hat of DevOps, you have to wear the hat of sysadmin, you have to wear the hat of IT, you have to wear the hat of the designer, you have to wear the hat of the sales associate. Like there's just so many hats you got to wear that it'll grind you down because obviously you're not going to like all those hats. Like for me, Matt was just, Matt just mentioned, I hate the, system ops and DevOps, all, all that stuff. Like I don't like managing servers, like all that stuff Matt was just saying, like, I hate, I hate all of it. And I, and in fact, I kind <laughs> of refuse, I refuse to do it at this point. That's why I've gone to uh, more of a serverless infrastructure or more of a continuous deployment in- infrastructure with Netlify, Vercel, uh, all those, all those services, GitHub pages. Like I don't, I'll pay someone a little bit extra to do it for me. I'd much rather do that than having to deal with scaling. But in this, in this particular case, like with Matt stuff, like there's, there's certain things that you can't do that with and you have to dive in and it sucks. And that's part of the, that's part of it. But again, I'm going to come, I'm going to bring it back a little bit to the positivity now because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went again, back down the negative hole. Uh, so community, community in the web development community, especially has been really good. Like, again, I've worked many other jobs. I've been a part of other communities in different industries. I really like the web development community. I think the big thing is, is that people are really willing to share knowledge. Sometimes it's pretentious, whatever. Like, sometimes people are are kind of arrogant about sharing that, but they're still willing to help. That's the crazy thing. It's like you post a question on a form and 90% of the time you're going to get some sort of answer. Or you Google a question and 99% of the time... You're going to find the answer because someone else has asked that question and has already been answered. Like, I know maybe other industries have this kind of, you know, knowledge database available to them. But I feel like with web development, it's on a different level. Like, I think people understand the challenges that they've went through trying to learn all this stuff on their own. And because of that, a lot of the times they have empathy for the people doing it right now because the thing with develop web development or really any sort of programming, when you don't know something, it's completely foreign. Like it's a complete, it's like you're talking about a different language. Like you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, can I move this image from the left side to, you know, the bottom of the page with a scroll, right? Like you have, like you have an idea in mind, but in reality, you have no idea how to accomplish that, right? So you, you start Googling, you start searching, you start asking and stuff like that. And you start p- piecing together a solution. Again, to coming back to the challenge, like that, that is part of the challenge. That is part of what I like about it. But regardless, you start piecing together a solution. You start breaking it down into smaller pieces and figuring out how to solve each one individually. Once you put that together and once you've done it a couple of times, it's no longer a different language. It's like just a, uh, you know, a word in your vocabulary. Or vocabulary. I can't say that word. Whatever. Vocabulary. Vocabulary. So it's just another word that you can use. And then you see someone else struggling with that same exact thing that you were just struggling with a couple, a couple months ago. And you can just give them that word. Now, obviously, this is, I'm, I'm very much simplifying this whole situation because the, the word could be like, you know, a whole paragraph or, or multiple paragraphs or a hand holding session of taking them through this or something like that. But regardless, for you now, it's almost trivial. Because you understand the language. And to explain it to someone, 
it, it's not it's not a big deal. So I think this this kind of empathy follows through a lot of the time. And a lot of people have it because we've all been there. Like we've all gone from zero to understanding a lot of the time because that's all freaking web development is. You're just going and learning new things all the freaking time to try to solve the problem that, that that's coming up for you. So I like that part of the community. Like personally, I love that the community exists for that single reason. They're willing to help each other. They're willing to share resources. There's so much, there's so much out there. Like the, like there's a ton of, con- a, a ton of people out there that are willing to help. There's discord groups like in our discord group. So I'll be honest. I don't, I'm not super active in the discord, right? Um, I try to help here and there, but r- rarely because I just, there's so much on my plate, uh, on my plate in the last two years, even that I haven't had time to do the discord help, but we have people in there that every day answer questions. Every single day, someone comes in, random question, that very generic. Someone tries to answer. They do their best. And they a lot of the times, they get it right. Like, they, they answer the question and the person moves on. It's crazy to me. Like, Local Path Computing, like, one of our, one of our Patreons, he's in our Discord. He is constantly helping people. Like, it's crazy. Like, I, I just wanted to give him a shout out right now because, like, it's – it blows my mind how dedicated people are to helping. There's there's other people in there. Twisted Ben, like there's so many other people in in that Discord in a small little community that are willing to go out of their way to help someone with a a, a problem that sometimes they don't even know the answer to. That's another thing because like a lot of the time you come in, you ask a question, and like yeah, maybe not everyone's going to know what to do, but a really good thing you can do to help someone if you know at least the next thing to Google. Because a new developer has trouble figuring out what that next thing to Google is or just being directed into what to search for. Like, what is the problem here? Because you might be thinking, hey, this problem is a database problem. But in the end of the day, it could be the front end connection problem. Like, you're just you're just not querying the database correctly from the front end or you're not querying the API. It's not nothing to do with the database. And if someone can direct you there in a span of a couple words or a couple sentences, that's going to save you hours of time, a lot of time. So, again, like I, I just I just wanted to call that out because uh, I appreciate it in our community. But um, it's just crazy to me. Like I did, it kind of blows my mind. It is one of those things too, right? Where you you'll go to like an IT forum or like a like a web dev forum, and you'll just see you'll just see these like people that are like clearly freaking out. Like, hey, I, you know, I have this thing in production and it's all broken. I don't know what the hell's going on. And, you know, it's been working for three years and all of a sudden it's broken in this way. And like, we don't know what's going on. And if you're in the same boat, you're like, oh, well, at least, <laughs> at least I'm not the only one. You know, it is. That's like a really good aspect of the sort of community at large. But like, you know, just to shout out the, our little community on Discord as well is like, I'm basically vacant of the, of the Discord and, um, like, it's incredible to me that we have like a bunch of people that just, just help people out. They just help people with questions and they are still chatting in there and stuff. Like I looked at the discord, like not too long ago. Um, cause I was like, Oh, I haven't looked at this in a while. And, and it's just like, it's still active. There's people helping and stuff. And I'm like, wow, like this is like a legitimate, like little community. And like, you know, I'm only one person of it. So it's not like I'm like super needed in there. And it's, uh, it's like super, super cool to see. So definitely like shout out to our discord community that, you know, that's a, that's a really cool. That's a really cool, um, like just aspect of it, really. Um, I would also say as well is like when you're working, if you're working in like a big team, usually like the community aspect within your own small team. So if you're working in like a company and you got maybe 12 team members total and you're one of them, so 11 team members, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to go even in that little community and usually, uh, you, you know, everyone will kind of adopt the company culture and solve problems in usually like a certain ish way. That's kind of what my experience is. It's probably different everywhere, but it's like my experience is like the company culture will be a certain way. And then like some people will solve things super aggressively if the company's like super serious and like super cutting edge. Or if it's sort of an older industry, they'll, you know, they'll kind of take it easy and, you know, work it through and stuff like that. And that's sort of what a lot of, or like, you know, different per department as well, even in the same company. 
And like having that little community there is like really good for learning. Cause if you have those 11 teammates, not only are you learning, you know, how to work in a team and kind of like learn this little culture that's going on there, but you're also learning, uh, or you can also learn from different people, different ways. I would definitely go to certain teammates for certain things. I go to this person to learn about databases, this person learned about this, this person learned about that because of how the way, the way they taught, I knew that this person was like maybe short tempered, but was the best person to learn about keyboards or something. So I would go to that person, you know, sparingly, I would maybe look up more about my issue, but then I would eventually go to them for keyboard stuff, even though they were short tempered and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like a, like community, but like community is, you know, at large and community, even our little discord is like really important, but like community within your own team, especially if it's a sizable team is, is super interesting and valuable because it really teaches you teamwork. It really teaches you, um, you know, how to communicate stuff. And I'm sure you'll ask, you know, your fair share of, uh, especially if you're new, your fair share of dumb questions. Um, uh, and, you know, of course, like, and then you'll like learn like, oh, okay, like this person doesn't want to be bothered every, you know, 10 minutes. So I better like look things up and that'll develop your research skills and stuff like that. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an important environment in, in all aspects at large in your own little discords. And then also in, uh, in your own team. Yep. Exactly. I think, I think that's another actually really good point that you brought up is like when you're getting a new job, I think finding out what your team's community is like, like how people interact with each other is going to determine a lot about the success that you're going to have there, right? Because if you're the kind of person that likes to ask questions and likes to get feedback and stuff like that, and your team is anti-questions and feedback, I would hope that that's not the case. But if that is a thing, then the chances of you succeeding there are probably going to be lower, right? So finding that out early, earlier rather than later is a key metric that you can do to determine if you're going to like that job more than anything. But again, it's not everyone has the, um, what is it called? The luxury of being able to just, you know, flip flop flop jobs because they don't like a coworker or they don't like a team. So you have to do what you have to do. But regardless, it's like one of those things that is an indicator for me. The team is a very important part. The people that are managing the team are a very important part and the community, like again, coming back to the people, is the a really key aspect of why I think web development is a little bit different than other industries. Like I, I really like our community personally. Now, moving on to abundance of resources. This is a big one. I think this, this contributes to a lot of other positives about the industry, but the amount of courses that are available for people to dive in from zero, like literally having zero programming experience to then being able to code a website there's thousands, if not, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of courses out there that are taking you from zero to a thousand to, to a, a developer. There's so many different learning styles that you can find. Like you can find a course that is exactly to your learning style, right? Because there's just so many perspectives in the same bucket. I love that about it. YouTube tutorials, right? So like, let's, let's say you're, you're looking for a, a library. You want to, you want to use Svelte. But you need to use like a little component of Svelte, like you want to use their, you know, conditional rendering or you want to use their router, like you're, you want to use their uh, state management library. You can find a YouTube video of someone using exactly what you need to use almost all the time. Now, there are some niche little libraries. There are some niche, there are some niche, you know, things that aren't going to have that luxury. But especially when you're starting out, most of the things that you need to know, there's going to be tons of really good content creators that are making amazing videos that are going to teach you, again, how to do something, even if it's small. It doesn't have to be a big course. It can be a small five-minute video taking you through exactly how to set something up. I like to do that a ton of time. Like when I'm creating a project and I need to have a, a feature that I've never worked on before. In my own mind, I figure out, okay, th- these are the steps that I think I'm going to need to do, right, to be able to... F- to, to implement this feature. And then I'll go look at videos to find like help with those steps. Some, sometimes the video will show a couple steps. Sometimes the video will show all the steps. Sometimes the video will show just one of the steps. But as long as I can see that this is possible in videos or tutorials or documentation, that's when I start to build that feasibility of, hey, okay, I can do this. That's when I start to gain the confidence, right? That's when I start to have that kind of like breakthrough and uh, a little bit of I, that's why I, when I start to really like development is when I start to build that confidence that something that I didn't know possible is possible. 
And that's like the abundance of resources, the, the amount of content out there created on little things in web development is what allows me to do that. If there was bad documentation, if there was no YouTube videos or courses out there, I'm, this would be a nightmare for me personally. I know there's people out there. We had Chaba on the show. Uh, he was programming using like, he learned programming using a book, right? Like he didn't have the internet. So he had one resource. That's it. He was able to get some stuff done. Like to me, that's a nightmare, like personally, because like I can't imagine having one and one and only one resource. Now, on the other hand, maybe that is nice because it's limiting to the fact that, hey, this is all you can do. This is your book. Like you can't do anything else. Whereas now people will come up to you and like in, in a job setting and be like, I need you to do this. And you're like, I've never done that before. And they're like, well, I need you to do it. Just look it up. That happens all the time. So before you would just be like, well, it's not in my book. Can't, can't do it. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not in my book. There's no other resources available. I literally cannot do what you're asking me to do. But now it's a little bit more difficult to do that. But I always say like, hey, I'll, look, I'll check the feasibility of it. Sometimes I do say, no, I can't do this. Or no, this isn't feasible because I looked into it and it would require X amount of money because we need to pay for this service and this service and this service and this service. Like that's happened many times before too. So it's not like you, you have to take on every task that you're given. But the fact that all these resources are, resources are around, you can see if you can do it. And sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't. But yeah. That is always that is always the the thing, right? It's usually somebody asks for something ridiculous and then you're just like, like, okay, but we're going to need – like I think, I think one time we, either we were asked about it or we were joking around about it. But it was something like we need uh, uptime no matter what. And so I was like, okay, we're going to have to – like literally we're going to have to geographically figure out like the statistical likelihood of various networks across the planet being affected by each other by a natural disaster. And we're going to have to have servers strategically placed across the planet and have them fail over to each other. Like if you need a hundred percent uptime and there's like no excuse and there's no, like there's no uh, exaggeration, like, it, or like they're not exaggerating when they say a hundred percent, they just mean like they want it up most of the time and they actually mean a hundred percent. It's like, no worries. But like, I mean, it is a worry, but like, it's a big, it's a big damn job. You know what I mean? Like it would be, I don't know if it's possible because it's like, what happens if like the ocean cable gets partially cut? I mean, that's it. I don't know. You're fired. I guess. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, what if the DNS goes out? I don't know. Like, what do we need? Like two, three, like you can have redundant systems. You know, like that's not, that's nothing new, but like to have 100% uptime, it would be such a huge expense because if, if it's literally something that can never go down and it has to be remotely accessible, like even locally, it could have eight redundant systems. But now what happens if there's an earthquake in that area? Well, all those systems are down. So now you have to have them somewhere else. Well, what happens if the connection to that system is down? You know what I mean? And so it's like when we presented that, I can't remember whether we were joking around about it or whether it was actually asked of us, but we presented like not a sarcastic, like a real, like, this is what we think. This is a very high level ballpark, like not ballpark figure. Like this is what we think we're going to have to do for 100% uptime. Uh, we can do it, <laughs> but it's going to be real expensive and we're going to have to learn a bunch. And that was like, well, I'm not paying that. It's like, no kidding. <laughs> like, yeah. like you have like a blog, no kidding. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's some people don't just say that. Right. And then you have to explain it to them because they don't understand the implication of what they're saying. And that's okay. Like, I think it's perfectly okay on both sides. So like people, people can ask that there's not nothing wrong with asking that, but you, but you explaining it to them is also okay. You don't have to say yes to everything. Oh just yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah. So it's, it's an important aspect of it. And like the hundred percent uptime, is something that we've battled with a few times. Like this isn't, it wasn't one time. It was a few times that people have asked us that. And we always kind of point back to, has Google ever been down? Do we have the resources of Google? No. Well then that's, that's it. Then, then it's like over. It's, then it's yeah. over. Yeah. yeah like, like Fortnite is, is or was the biggest, biggest game in the world is a prime example. And it goes down sometimes for an afternoon. Yep. Now take their team size and like, like divide it by whatever divisor, to get our team size and, you know, you might have a couple days downtime. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, what are we supposed to do? Nothing. 
You don't do anything. You don't you don't guarantee a hundred percent uptime ever. Like it's not like even hosts don't do it. <laughs> like no. like host outages are common 9. enough. Like that. Yeah. Like I have the status pages bookmarked. Like it's, seriously. Yep. That's the thing. So yeah, like it's it's just it it is what it is, and I think that explanation is usually enough. Like ninety nine percent of the time. Move on. Moving on to the next one here. Ability to work from anywhere in the world. So this applies to other jobs, but I feel like development in general has the advantage of it being a very, very strong aspect because there, there is hardly ever a reason for you to actually have to be in an office to do web development. Think about, think about what I'm saying. You're working with stuff that has to be live on the internet, on the internet across the entire world most of the time. The fact that you need to be in an office to do something that has to be r- worldwide is redundant in a lot of ways. Now, having said that, there's plenty of reasons why a team would want to be local. Some of them security. So like a lot of the times, if you're working on a very secure product, uh, then maybe there, it makes sense to have everyone only work inside, not having any VPN access, stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, when you're working on regular web development projects, it's perfectly fine to be remote. The other thing that kind of benefits you is because everyone's a web developer, you have some knowledge of the IT infrastructure that you're using. So you understand what a VPN is. You understand what a web server is. You understand what, uh, how a computer works. Like you understand how Zoom works. You understand, like you have all these things that other office employees maybe don't have and like, have to learn how to use. So when when the pandemic happened and everyone went remote, it wasn't smooth because of the fact that the technology wasn't there. It wasn't it was it wasn't smooth because people didn't know how to use Zoom. Like people did not know how to click on a link and get to the meeting. That was a thing for a lot of people. But with web developers, we're I'm I'm generalizing here, but they're like I'm going to say it almost like all of us know how to use Zoom. All of us know how to collaborate online. We've done, like, we know how to email. We know how to talk on Skype or Discord or Slack, whatever. Like, we've done it before, even if we weren't working from home. We've all used these tools that help us work from home, even when we weren't working. We've even built some of those tools ourselves, for, like, the, the just the reality of it. And so, like, I am... I think that it, it becomes a kind of a little bit of a special thing for web developers or developers in general, where we're even more equipped to work from anywhere in the world. And I don't think that's going away. So for some industries, it's probably going to be back to normal in a, in a couple of years where you're going to go back to office. Not for all, like a lot of industries are going to be doing hybrid or something like that. But for some industries, it'll be back to normal. For web development, I don't think it's going there. I think we're going to be remote a lot of jobs are going to be remote moving forward, and it might even continue to be more remote as it, as it progresses. Because having specialized teams in different areas of the world, having talent pools from different areas of the world is a very key benefit. And if you can find a team that works together across the world or even like, you know, locally in a geographical region, but not at, in an office – it's going to benefit you because you have happier employees. You have the employees have more time because they're not, you know, commuting back and forth. There's no wasted time for unnecessary meetings when you get pulled in randomly because people are at the office. Like there's just a lot of benefits to it. So that's, I, I think that's a key metric. That's a key that for me, I really like that about web development. I'm probably never going to go back to an office full time. Thing is too, is like, is like, I think the talent really speaks for itself. I think once, I know some people are attached to their office, whatever, but once people like hiring managers that they hire someone, you know, super remote for whatever reason, like they're like far away. So they couldn't even commute to the office and like that person's really good. They're going to realize, well, that was like some untapped, uh, some talent that would be, you know, hard to get. Cause it's, it's, it's difficult to get someone in most cases to move closer to work, to be able to commute to an office. And so it's like, well, we, you know, there was a high chance or at least a high barrier to entry to actually get that person before. And this person's very vital now. So like, why not? Because the thing is, is if that person, you know, becomes ill to the point where they shouldn't be in the office because they're contagious, but they, you know, they're good enough to work and they work from home, uh, even temporarily, it's sort of like you're just messaging that person on some sort of instant messenger anyway, or using email. So 
and it doesn't really hinder the job. So like, who cares? Like who cares where they are? You know? Exactly. That is the exact thing. Uh, we're much more adaptable. And another thing I like, unlike some people, and I know there's some people out there that don't, but I like trying out new frameworks and libraries. So one of the reasons that we started the podcast, in fact, was because I was already kind of just trying out view. I was already trying out random libraries, random frameworks, because I was enjoy like, I just literally like, Hey, this is cool piece of technology. Someone built from scratch. This is interesting to me. I'm just going to spin up a, a certain, like a, I'm going to spin up a project with it. I'm going to do a to-do list or whatever. And with web development, especially like this stuff is constantly coming out. There's like remix. Now there's like web components, there's styled components. Like there's just so much stuff that's constantly being developed that I can probably sit every day and try something new and never run out. So the fact that there is that constant evolution, like web development is still raw, it's still evolving. I like that about it. Now, this is this is probably not something that everyone likes. I know I've heard a lot of complaints about, hey, like, how do I find out what to learn if there's a million different things out there? But in my opinion, if you know the fundamentals of programming, if you understand that, it doesn't matter. You're using the tool for the job. And if you want to go out of your way to try a different library or to try a different framework, it's not a big deal. Like it's, you're not, you're not hindering yourself because you're just learning a new skill. Like you're learning a, a little bit on top of, of whatever you're, you already learned the base. So anyway, like that's, again, this is a personal preference one, but I like it and uh, I'm going to continue to do it. Having said that, like, I do think that maybe 10, 20 years down the line, when web development becomes a little bit more mature, it's going to converge a little bit. So there won't be as much innovation. So I'm going to, you know, for now, it's it's kind of it's not the Wild West that was maybe five years ago, ten years ago. It's starting to kind of be more mature. There's starting to be more consistency across browsers, for instance. There's starting to be more consistency even across frameworks like React, Vue, and Svelte are all kind of competing with each other for features. And using one or the other is not a big deal. Like before, it was like, oh, you're using Joomla, but like I'm using WordPress. Those are two massively different things, like massively different. And your skills from WordPress. Yeah, they transfer over in a basic logical like programming sense, but like holy crap is Joomla different than WordPress. Whereas now again, like the convergence of React and Svelte to yes, pretty different frameworks, but I guarantee you that a good React developer is going to be a great Svelte developer and vice versa. So it's 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 kind of it's kind of nice that you can have that kind of uh, back and forth. And lastly here, uh mentoring so lately, I've been getting a little bit into mentoring. I have a group that I'm mentoring right now. Uh, we're doing kind of a project together, and I'm showing them how to uh, how to work as a team more than anything. Like I'm not doing any sort of technical mentoring. I'm just kind of helping them in a project management sort of way and guiding. Um, and I like that. Like I like I like seeing people advance in their knowledge and in their confidence. And we always have like this thing at the start of each session where we say our stories, like what have we, what have we been doing to, you know, for them to get jobs and stuff like that. And it's always like, it's super interesting to me every time. It's like, oh, I've, I've gone through this interview process. I've gone through this and people giving advice to each other. I like that about it. It kind of goes back to the community aspect of it more than anything. Um, people are really adamant about helping each other. And I see it within this like group that I'm mentoring, like people are just constantly being like, oh, you can help me. Like, you know, I can help you there. You can help me there. And like, they're collaborating. And, uh, I just see it like, I, I didn't see that as much when I was doing electrical engineering draftsman or even, or even when I was working in, like a restaurant, like, it's just like you, you collaborate because you have to, not because you want to. So with that, um, and we're going to move on a little bit to, to the next segment here, which is what the community loves. So I asked the Twitter audience and there's a few different, I, I took, picked like three tweets that I found interesting that I wanted to discuss. Uh, so the first one is not another Vivek. And he mentioned that uh, he likes that there's a low barrier to entry. And I kind of want to discuss this a little bit because I agree. I agree with Vivek. There's a low barrier to entry in the sense that there's so many resources out there, like I was saying before, that the, to take you from zero to a developer. And a lot of them are free and or low cost. That it is a low barrier. Like you can be a non a non-programmer and get a job in web development within a year. And that's a realistic goal. Now you have to work 
your ass off. You have to get lucky here and there with the interview process and stuff like that. All that. But you need to but, – but it is possible. Like it is a very low barrier to entry. You don't need to know math, for instance. You don't need to be a computer scientist. You don't need to know chemistry. You don't need to have a certificate from a college. Like you don't need to have anything. You can just start from zero knowledge to get and, and get into the industry. Now, there is something to say that it's not as easy as I'm saying it is. Like there's a there's a lot of resources. It's great. But when you're first starting out, you don't know what to pick. You don't even know what to search for. So that is a little bit of a barrier, in my opinion. And even when you find something, again, you don't know what style of learning you you like. So you can get gate you can you can be gate kept without even trying different learning resources because you think that this is how everyone is going to teach. So it's like it's a tough one. Again, someone that per, that perseveres and stuff like that goes through it and gets a job. That's great, but there's for every one person that goes through that one year long process of learning and going to boot camp or whatever, however they do it, there's like probably a hundred more or two hundred more that failed after like step one or step two. So just keep that in mind. If you're listening to this podcast and you're just starting out, try to weigh it right. Like you can do it, and if you really don't like a, a course, try another course. If you really don't like a a way of learning, try a different way of learning. Like there's just so many different ways to get into the industry. It's not one one fits all. So if you don't like something, it doesn't mean that you're not cut out for it. It means that you need to try to find a different way in. If that makes sense. And that it's really hard to explain that. And it's really hard to describe that because I don't know every single way in, but I guarantee you there's tons and tons of them out there. I can handle this, uh, <clears throat> this next one, Mike, cause I have some comments on this next, uh, what the community loves here, uh, <laughs> from the user at, uh, KVN CNLS. <clears throat> uh, the fact that you have to think, I hate doing thoughtless, mundane, tedious work. They're soul sucking. I'd just be looking at the clock all day, waiting for it to be over. Having to think makes you, makes it more purposeful and enjoyable. And, uh, coming from a person who used to work in a factory, uh, <laughs> the fact that you literally don't have a task that ends, like the task is always, you're on an assembly line and the task is just always, uh, literally being produced and you're, a part of the machine and that machine never shuts off. You're a cog in the machine and the machine never shuts off effectively is, uh, you know, a bit soul sucking. It's not all that great. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it was a, it was a good first job, whatever kind of got me like my first professional experience, not, not like technical professional, but my first like professional experience, I guess. But, um, it was definitely not the greatest. It was just something about not having a task to complete. And even in that factory, I changed to a different department in which we would clean the machines. And at least there was something, even though that machine was going to get dirty again, it was like I start at the beginning of the day, I start cleaning the machine. And then at the end of the day, the machine is clean and I could see that I've completed a task. And there's a bit of thinking in there. You're going to use chemicals and all this other stuff. And it was like a bit, it was a lot better, at least to me. It was like, well, like I'm actually... You know, I'm actually uh, doing something here. Like, this is a clean area now. It's not just sort of like sitting there and like rearranging muffins and stuff like that. Like, it's it's literally because I used to work in an industrial bakery, and it it really is like better realistically to think. And sometimes you want days where you don't think too much, and sometimes you want days where you do think. But in general, at least to me anyway, having uh, to think and also having like a task to actually complete is a, a pretty big thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I think. I think he kind of nailed it. Uh, Kev kind of nailed it there because, um, it's, I, I, I've worked in that exact same environment too. Like the, the restaurant job, it was very soul sucking and you look at the clock all day. There's so the few times that, you know, time went by faster than others, but regardless, it was, it was a very mundane job. And I love the fact that that's essentially never the case. Like I'm, other than a few times where I had to enter data into an Excel sheet, uh, which is like something that happens, uh, I've literally, it's every day is different. Every day is completely different. And I love it. I love that about it. I'll handle this last one here uh, from Await Nico. You can create amazing things out of thin air. It's also a very cosmopolitan industry with people from almost every corner of the world. Inclusion is actually a really key thing here. I, I've worked with so many developers from around the world, like in India, Russia, Australia, London, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, like I've learned, I've worked with Germany, like I've worked with like 
I don't know how many different countries at this point with different developers from different countries. And we all have the same common language of development. Right. And it's, it's awesome. I love, I love the fact that everyone can kind of work together. And a lot of the times, yes, like pay disparity happens, but sometimes it doesn't. Like sometimes people like from different countries can get the same pay as, as us and some like, you know, vice versa. So it is a really awesome aspect. I love the fact that it's kind of cosmopolitan or with people all over the world and also being able to create things out of thin air. 100% agree with that. The first, the first point of this whole thing was creativity have seeing whatever you you type actually turn into something visual is really cool experience if you haven't seen done it yet again if you're listening to this raw you haven't even touched the industry yet try to write a basic page like a basic page layout even if it's just your name and some information about you whatever and see what happens when you save it on in a notepad sheet and all of a sudden it appears on like your Chrome or whatever browser you're doing. It, it, there is a feeling of accomplishment there that it kind of never goes away even. But yeah, I think with that, I think we're done for today. We, we kind of nailed it. I think we, I think we succeeded in staying positive for most of it. Again, we, we did have some stuff <laughs> in the, in the middle there that went off the rails, but it's true. For like, me, of course. Of course, I'm sitting there complaining in the back. I hate this. Like, it's fine. Like, I think people will connect with that because it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Like, there is some negative parts of the industry, just like with any job. But again, I wanted to bring it back to the positive a lot because the industry is there. there there's a lot to say that like, the ability to enter something when it's still so new and so raw and contribute to it and uh, participate in it and be part of the community. There's not a lot of jobs out there like this. So if you can get in, try to be with the people around you, like try to try to be with the community. I, I guarantee you, you'll get a little bit more out of it. Being able to talk shop, being able to understand where stuff is coming from, like who's creating that, like, you know, who's the creator of Svelte, interacting with the people there. They're all out there. They're people, they're regular people. Like the creator of Svelte constantly has conversations with random people that I've noticed. And it's awesome because like, it doesn't, that doesn't happen very often in most industries, like most industries, like the creators of big tooling aren't available for a chat in the afternoon. You know what I mean? It's not like, like it's, Bill Gates. It's like, oh man, I like Windows. Yeah. Let's go chat up Bill Gates. It's like, what? Exactly. But we're kind of a more tight knit community. And it seems like the creators of these things are more than willing to kind of help out and be interactive and be part of, be a part of it. So I, I think, again, just try to take advantage of the position that you're in and uh, yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I think that does conclude all the all of the uh, the positives and the negatives. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, remember that if you want to support episodes like this, we are on that Patreon. That is patreon.com slash HTML the things. So check out those tiers and give that a go. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrett from Local Path Computing and Web Design on localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker via thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dlford.io. Bib Hashash from Nine Block Media on nineblockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. Uh, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale. And Edubloxians, game designed for kids at edubloxians.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.